everyone, and welcome back to Sachs's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher. I'm an associate professor at Clemson University, and I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to be talking with Dr. Jana Majette about ways that student affairs professionals can engage with and support student athletes. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about things that I don't think about enough. So appreciate that. Uh, and that goes both ways. So <laughs> that's why this is important. Love it. Before we start the conversation, I always like to start and just get to know the person because we're more than the work that we do. So would you talk a little bit about who you are outside of your job? Um, what are your hobbies, interests, things you're watching, reading, listening to, whatever you want to share? Yeah, no, I love that. I love bringing all of myself to things. So um, I am a wife. I am a mommy. I have two little boys. Um, so. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't know, <laughs> but um, I enjoy fitness. I enjoy community building. Um, have really kind of been in Clemson for four years, and I really enjoyed, you know, making connections, getting to know people different ways. Um, currently reading, I'm a Frederick Bachman fan from a fiction standpoint. Man called Uve. Um, uh, what's the? There's another hockey book, but I'm reading right now the one he wrote called my grandmother my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry so it's a little bit of a wild ride um and music love music love live music just got to see sister hazel in concert in Mahala on friday and that was super fun um brandy carlisle's another favorite eric church so yeah those are those are things i like wonderful so okay now we can shift to the professional stuff um so we know you have no free time other than a little bit of time to read with your kids at home um but how did you get into the work that you do like what does your career path look like and um gotten you to where you are today yeah no it's a, been a fun ride um i like to joke and say that i've had three careers you know before the age 40. so former college athlete worked in college athletics. Um, I did that for about 10 years and uh, from assistant coaching to director of basketball ops. Um, well, as I was director of ops at the University of Florida, that's when I was continuing my education with my master's and my PhD. And when I wrapped up my PhD in 2015, um, I decided to get out of college athletics and started running a nonprofit right there in Gainesville called Girls Place. So, um, which was a fun transition um you know it still kept me working with with young women i'm super passionate about that um and so i did that for a few years and then we relocated my family and i relocated to clemson in 2017 when my wife became the head coach here and i had done some adjunct faculty uh work uh since getting my phd and then we got here, everyone's like well you know there's a master's in athletic leadership and i was like if i could dream up a job or if I could dream up a program, this would be it. And so uh, thankfully met with Mike Godfrey and the rest is history. And here we are. So have been full-time lecturer now for three years and it's uh, it's wonderful. Love what I do. That's great. So it met your expectations. Yes, it has. And, and the beauty of an online program too, with having two young kids, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I would be able to do the job as well if we were in the classroom. So very, very thankful for the format and the reach that that gives you as well 
with being, I have a student right now in Hawaii, you know, I've had students in Germany. So like, that's, that's pretty cool to, again, the community building, right? The networking. So I really like that part too. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you setting the stage for the conversation. Um, so based on your experience, both as an athlete, but also working with athletes and now teaching people how to work with athletes, what do you think there are some common misperceptions that people outside of athletics have about student athletes? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a couple things came to mind when I think about this is, I think a lot of folks think that there's entitlement. Um, I think that spoiled, you know, I think that they get everything and because they get everything, maybe life is easier for them than it is for um, general student body. Um, I think also people just immediately go to like the power five division one athlete and, and you forget about the walk-ons, you forget about non-scholarship athletes, you forget about the athletes who, whose programs, uh, you know, are on partial scholarship, right? Um, division two, II, division three, like there's just so many different types of athletes that we really shouldn't put them all under one umbrella. Um, and so I think that was kind of it is that uh, they, they do less maybe because so much is done for them and they get and they get more um, but they don't it's, it's not everything I think we shouldn't assume that they get everything um, and so those were just kind of like general thoughts when I thought about that but just spoiled entitled uh, everything's handed to them uh-huh. yeah I worked in student conduct for a little while and one of the things I always try to talk about especially related to student athletes is they actually have multiple levels of accountability that traditional students don't. And so um, while there's opportunity, you know, and there's some visibility, there's work and responsibility that goes behind that as well. So I appreciate you surfacing that. Yeah, student athletes are you know, a lot of times it's considered the face of a university or the face of at least their program, right? Um, the role social media plays now with that has only elevated, I think, the, the pressures of, of being a face. But, you know, they have to report to a head coach that has a set of rules. They have to then report to an athletic department that has a set of rules and then the university, right? So they do have, like you said, the different levels or layers of accountability um, that, that I, I, I think add to the pressure of, of what they do every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Talking about student affairs a little more specifically, and um, like I said, I I appreciate what you said at the beginning about, you know, we kind of learn each other and then we have to relearn each other. And um, so this is really my goal was to surface some opportunities for building stronger connections. But based on what you know and your experiences, Student affairs touches on students' lives in really a lot of ways outside of the formal classroom. So it could be residence halls, dining, academic advising, student activities, financial aid, conduct, which we were talking about accountability before, and lots of other areas. What are some points of intersection between student affairs and the lives of student athletes that you think are really important for student affairs people to consider. Um, Again, their experiences are not like every other student's experiences. So are there some things that, you know, if we gave you the stage and said, tell us 
what we need to know that you would really encourage student affairs professionals to think about when engaging with student athletes? The first thought is just at the human level. I mean, if the pandemic has taught any us anything is we all need support, however we can get it, right? And so I just, you know, overall and simply put like support. Um, and so what does that look like? Showing up at a game, um, it, like an, an, a student affairs professional extending themselves, being present, uh, checking in and ask, asking how it's going. Um, so just that human level, that heart connection, I think is something that we can all get better at. Um, you know, and then, you know, from a from a more programmatic standpoint is um, student athletes, it's very easy to live a siloed life from where you, the buildings you're in on campus, the group of people that you're with on a daily basis, the rhythm of your day of when you eat, what you eat. And so I would encourage people to not assume that that student athletes aren't interested in what's out there, right? So extend the invitation to a program, make the resources known and available, um, and especially like in the in the residence halls too, is the check-ins, inviting them to come eat a meal with the group um, or go for a coffee or anything like that. I think that, you know, what we're trying to do is to create bridges and camaraderie and all that's going to start at the relationship level. So anything that we can do on um, on the ground is going to benefit, I think. Um, I think also remembering, too, that there are athletes that aren't football players or men's basketball players is really important. <laughs> um, I can, I'll say that as a former women's basketball player. Um, and so especially some of those groups that maybe do get overlooked, whether it's female sports, whether it's the non-revenue generating sports, maybe it's the sports that majority of their roster is international students. Um, how, how are we making contacts with them? How are we making contacts with the LGBTQ plus community within student athlete development, within student athlete population? I know that a lot of universities have their own student athlete development staff. Clemson has a tremendous one led by Tori Neiman, but that isn't to say that gaps don't exist right so how can we build partnerships with what they're doing to reach those groups that maybe need a little bit extra um those are kind of just you know a couple thoughts i'm not sure what the orientation program or plan is here at clemson i was a lot more familiar with it at florida because um, i worked in the athletic department there i know that there was some overlap and athletics had its own thing so i'm not sure if orientation is a, a place where there's potential for bridges, but that was just another thought. I, I think the thing to remember is that, you know, student athletes, they want a full college experience. They do. Um, there, are, there, are, there are constraints placed on them that they have no control over. And so how figuring out how to reach them um, with time management and fatigue and <laughs> travel and all those things in mind, I think that's that's the challenge, but we have to keep trying. So I think for professionals to keep trying to show up. And I think looking up, I can remember as a, as an athlete, you know, I look up and a professor's in the stand and that's not necessarily student affairs, right? And I'll be the first one to say, I didn't do a great job of, of utilizing resources as a 20 year old. Um, but looking up in the stand and I see my professor that made walking into that professor's classroom or office hours a whole lot easier, right? Um, so 
having a presence, extending the invitation, and, and just giving support from a human level is where I would start. And I love that that's your starting point because that's what we talk about in student affairs with all students. Um, but I think sometimes we say all students philosophically, but practically we don't always, and it, sometimes it's an assumption of a lack of interest or a lack of time. Um, but again, to your point earlier, not every student athlete is going to be the same, even in the same sport. So building those connections, I, I just appreciate that as the starting point. I just, I remember, so one of the cool things, I, uh, my undergrad is at Davidson College from Davidson. Hmm. One of the, and one of the cool things at the time, I didn't think it was cool because I was 17 and I just wanted to pick who I was going to live with, right? Um, they use the Myers-Briggs to pair you up with your freshman roommate. And so my roommate was a wonderful human being named Katie, and she was from Washington State and knew nothing about sports. And going into that, I was like, how is this going to work? But we lived together for two years, and it was great. And <laughs> I can remember, like, I went to practice one day. I came home, and she went skydiving and came home. And I was like, you know, but, like, having that, um, if, if Davidson hadn't made that happen, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened. And so um, I just, it's kind of like, you know, in hindsight, you look back and I just, I really enjoyed the exposure to someone, you know, a, 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 a 18 year old raised in the Bible belt being thrown into a, you know, square room with bunk beds from a, with a girl from Washington state. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was awesome. Um, so I, I do think that I think don't make the assumptions, keep asking and, you know, because even, you know, general student bodies, they don't want assumptions made about them as well. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. Well, you've talked a little bit about your background and experience um, and just talked about that, your own housing experience. Are there other examples of times when student affairs professionals or other people in higher education um, provided support or encouragement to you as an undergraduate student athlete. So you talked about like the the roommate assignment and the housing experience. You talk about, um, you know, doing the work of your sport and then seeing supporters in the stands. Are there other things that you can think about related to your own experience that sort of fostered some of those relationships? So I, th I think this is the hardest question to wrap my head around because like I said a little earlier, I didn't do a good job of pursuing it. Like I had such a, you know, not one track, but I, my, I was narrowly focused when I was in college on what I wanted to get out of the experience. And going to a place as rich as Davidson College, like no doubt in my mind now, you know, decades later that I missed out on a, a ton of opportunities, um, especially on a play, uh, with a community like Davidson that's super small, super tight knit and gets behind the school um, from it's exam week and the community's bringing cookies and having ice cream Sunday night, right? For exam breaks. So um, they don't, when I went there, they did your laundry for you for free. They don't do that anymore. So I'm glad I got in when I did. <laughs> I still have clothes with my laundry number uh, written on the tag. Um, you know, Davidson, it was also a very challenging place, and I'm not sure if this still exists. I do think it gets better because I keep in touch with a good number of people there. 
there is um at the time when i played there was a thing called division of the day and nothing athletics could happen before i think it was 3 p.m or 4 p.m that was a challenge right like um just not having flexibility to adapt your schedule to maybe be a bit more efficient or do what makes sense for the day if you had a game or maybe practicing early and taking night classes or weren't night classes um so that that was a little bit of a struggle i don't know how much that's changed if it has i, I do think that it has a little bit um but i think you know as I sit and I reflect and I'm probably not giving you, you know, tremendous answers and I'm putting that responsibility on myself. You know, I think as I, as I sit, it's like the message of being a student athlete is not your entire identity. You know, like me being an athlete in college wasn't all that I was. And for student affairs professionals and for professors to kind of remember that um, I think is, a really big challenge um so yeah this is this is the question i struggled with and and so outside of becoming more self-aware you know um and outside of uh, accessibility to the programs you know and knowing that they're there and i probably i couldn't even tell you where on campus student affairs was housed at davidson mm-hmm. um you know if there's a way to educate coaches and assistant coaches on those things that could be also another avenue um, to reaching student athletes Um, making sure that especially now with the prevalence of um, mental health services sports psychology services that are on campus for student affairs to extend itself to coaches to make sure they know like we also have this menu of services that your student athletes can benefit from can we come in and talk for a few minutes, you know? Um, The other thing kind of in that vein and and me trying to figure out maybe some solutions to beyond me just being a um, self-centered 20 year old um, would be, you know, entry level, for lack of a better word, young professionals in student affairs, in college athletics, getting those first few jobs, which I think those are the populations we work with. Mm -hmm. Um, They're gonna, they're, they're going to be working with the same population, college age students. They're going to see some of the same, face some of the same cha- challenges and adversity being a young professional. So are the, is that, are those two groups that we could connect somehow from a professional development standpoint that would help bridge the, the two parts of campus? Because um, I feel like they would have a lot in common um, and could really like bounce ideas off of each other and share strategies and things like that. So that's where that question took me. Um, it really was kind of, and I even, I even, uh, I phoned a friend, a good friend who used to work in student affairs at Florida and I got, I got her two cents. And then I asked um, a couple of the GAs that I teach who were former student athletes and um, all of it kind of confirmed what, uh, everything that I just shared is that it's unless you're a student athlete that's like coming into college and like wanting to pursue the campus as a whole you're probably just gonna stay in your lane and so I I don't know if there's a way to reach high school seniors um, but unless I feel like if there's a way to I don't know how to really say it this probably will need to be edited 
So we'll no, 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 no. Actually, it's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking. So I'm. I, I was not a student athlete in school, but I'm a first generation college student. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like I didn't know. Eventually, I became an RA, and that's where I started to learn about things. But there are resources that I really would have benefited from my first two years if I had known about it. So I think sometimes student affairs professionals, we can sort of get in this mindset of we have really good resources on campus. But just because they're there doesn't mean everyone knows that they're there or how to access them. So talking more broadly about it, serves student athletes, but serves first gen students or other students who are just in a new place or, you know, in an experience that could become very focused. And um, it's just a chance to expose them to more, whether it's support resources or involvement opportunities or whatever. So um, no, I appreciate your response. And that again, that's part of the conversation is what, what works but it's not all about, hey, everything is great. It's how can we do better? And what are some um, collaborations or communication that might help better? And I love the idea of connecting new professionals across student affairs and athletics because that helps foster their sense of connection as professionals, as well as providing services to the undergraduate students. So um, awesome. It's just, it's very easy. It's very easy as a student athlete. And I would imagine even as just, you know, a non-student athlete in college, like you said, you became an RA. It's very easy to find your thing and it's just your thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and I can only speak for being a student athlete. It's also very easy as a student athlete to just think that there's not, that you don't have capacity for anything else beyond it. And, and it, it is possible. Right, but the the initiative is probably not going to come from the student athlete themselves. It's probably going to come from a coach or from a student athlete development staff person, or you know, like there's someone's going to nudge them or pull them along. So, the more that we can bridge the gaps between student affairs professionals and coaches and the people that have the daily touches with the athlete, I think that that's a good, really good starting point. Yeah, I love that. I think your answer to that question was better than you think it is. So <laughs> I think it was really good. Um, so when you think about working with student athletes across different sports, are there needs specific to students in one sport as opposed to another that you think it might be helpful for student affairs people to think about? I think a lot of um, practitioners, like they know what when the sport is sort of in full effect kind of thing but are there other things that it might be useful for people to think through regarding different sports yeah i think a couple of things i've I've touched upon um but uh, being mindful of in season out of season you know like basketball for example is a hard sport because it's really the out of season is the summer right i mean when they're on campus they're pretty much in season they may not be competing in games but they are um so i do think it's important to keep that in mind um, of when maybe it's also best to reach a student athlete. So for example, a soccer student athlete, well, they're competing in the fall. So spring might have a little bit more flexibility in their schedule because NCAA rules change as far as their their hours requirements uh, with their team. Um, You know, and and again, I just, 
don't think about specific sports, but I do think about there are some sports that tend to have a, a different makeup um, than other sports. And so thinking about those subpopulations of, you know, international students um, that, you know, and I know that Tori and with student athlete development, they've done a very good job of being intentional with programming for international students. And a lot of that revolves around food um, because we all like the food from where we come from, right? And so, but there's an educational component there. There's a community component there, have sharing, breaking bread at a, at a big table, um, but finding ways to support them, finding ways to support minority athletes, uh, female athletes, LGBTQ athletes. And so I think if we could think about um, it that way, rather than sports by sport by sport, that would really broaden the reach. Um, one of the things I'm trying to do, and Michelle, this is, nudge me even more is to join the um, LGBTQ plus commission on campus, you know, as a liaison and, and helping with their program and hopefully being another branch over to the athletic side of campus. And so um, I think that I think that really helps. Um, and again, making the connection with with the people who are I don't really like support staff. I don't like that word. I, I feel like they're more, um, forget the word that I used in my class, essential. They're essential staff, right? So the mental health counselors, the, the sports psychologists, the student athlete development, you know, it's like when I was in college, we didn't have those things. Um, and I'm not saying that as like a negative, I'm saying that is fine, but like we, it's great that they have it now um, I say it more from like, so are all those things, the, the counselor, the performance coach um, was in the training room. Like that's where you went and exhaled and got, you know, unloaded. The trainer was that person. And so, you know, in thinking of from a student affairs, like making those connections with those essential staff, um, I think would, would, would be really, really helpful. I'm jotting, looking at my notes to make sure. And and the one last note I jotted down was, I think it would be beneficial also for maybe that group of people to come over and educate student, student affairs professionals on on what we're talking about, the challenges of the student athlete, right? Of maybe even a panel of student athletes themselves um, would be really, really helpful. And I'll just say, um, prepping for a podcast on student affairs essay and student athletes essay <laughs> made <laughs> made abbreviations really challenging. Um, but yeah, I do think that it would be helpful, you know, to, to get the conversation going back the other way. I don't, I, I feel, feel like this is a very shared responsibility, right? I'm um, building this bridge. And so I do think that educating student affairs professionals on what what the life is like would be really helpful. And then for the student athlete to get a better understanding of what's out there as well, so. Yeah, if you drew a Venn diagram of student affairs and how they support students and athletics and how they support students, that overlap would be pretty big mm -hmm. um, in terms of resources and things like that. But, and you've, you've said this a couple of times, the or you've used the word siloed a couple of times and the opportunity for that to happen exists, you know, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but 
the idea of building bridges that can't be a one-sided effort you know it has to kind of be a communal investment and um but this is good i mean i think your your comments go back to your statement earlier about start with the human beings you know they don't have to be sport specific but who are they outside of their sport that might inform ways to connect and build those connect um build those bridges with the university so and i and i think also like and this is you know social media has played a role in this the new name image and likeness legislation that's come through but we're we're in we're entering an era or we've been in the era now it's just we legally can be there i guess um where where student athletes are branding themselves beyond the athlete, you know, being the athlete. A- athleticism is what got them there. Being a student athlete at Clemson's what got their being a student athlete at another university is what's giving them, but they're using their platform for much more beyond athletics, whether that's a social cause, whether it's a, you know, their career path, whatever it is. But I think we're starting to see athletes show a lot more of themselves than just the sport they play. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the positives from some of this, these new rules as well. Wonderful. Yeah, that's going to be something to watch for years yeah. to see how I'm, that unfolds. I'm, I'm teaching ethics right now, and everybody wants to to study NIL and the transfer portal, and I'm like, well, from a research standpoint, there's probably not that much out there yet. Um, right. We're just doing a lot of speculating, um, but yeah, no, it's the the landscape has changed. Yeah. College athletics will will never be the same. So. Yeah. Well, that's actually a a good lead in because you talked about teaching ethics right now. Mm -hmm. And I know you teach a number of different courses across athletic leadership. What are some concepts you cover for coaches and other athletic leaders that you think might translate into the work of student affairs professionals, whether working specifically with student athletes or with students and colleagues more generally? Yeah, so when I do teach leadership in our curriculum. Um, And for me, leadership always comes back to self-awareness. So that constant process of the doing, the evaluating, the reflecting, you know, just that evolution of self. Um, I do think we're ever evolving, but what is your own personal leadership journey? I think that's always where we should start. Um, One of the other, you know, big things, and this kind of, this kind of connects sports psych with leadership, but as a leader, are you creating psychologically safe spaces for people? Um, You know, what does that mean? Well, does everyone feel like they have a voice? Does everyone feel like they can speak if they want to speak and their voice is heard and well-received? Does everyone feel like they can bring their authentic self in in the space? Um, So do people feel safe with you in charge, basically? Um, right now with ethics, you know, one of the things I think is becoming aware of the biases that you're bringing into your leadership. So having conversations um, around that, like if you're going to talk about being authentic, that means you're bringing all of yourself. Well, all of yourself includes some of those things, right? And so we need to be aware of, of, of all of it. Um, you know, a theme in the conversation so far is, is that leadership is a people skill. So how are you at building relationships? Like, what what are your strengths in that? Um, I was actually working with a student athlete yesterday, 
And she had just uh, recently taken Gallup's uh, Strengths Finders assessment. You know, they give you a top five. And I said, I said, how does how do these five separate you as a leader and in building relationships? Like, how do you use these in doing those two things effectively? Because that that's that's it right there, right? Leading others is all about that rapport. Um, and then on the other side, which some people disagree with me on this, but I also believe that followership really deserves a place in the conversation. Uh, we all come into the world following. We all come in as a member of a team and um, learning how to follow really well is a big step in learning to, to lead really well. Um, and, and also a lot of people don't want to be quote unquote leaders. They want to be the right hand or they want to, to just be in that support. Um, I'm gonna get things done and I don't need the limelight. And so um, I think that it's an important component of leadership that doesn't get enough attention. Um, so those would be a few things that I think that would help people, you know, professionals lead themselves better, but also in, in, in being a leader, being a mentor for students right now. Wonderful. Um, and we, we sort of have touched on this already, but I'll give you a chance if there's anything else that you want to add. Are there examples that you can think of of particularly productive athletic student affairs partnerships that you've seen, experienced, or heard about? And if so, what are some things that made those relationships work particularly well? Yeah, this was a tough one. Um, you know, the few, uh, just the few experience that I've had and it has been few, um, a lot of it had to do with Title IX misconduct issues, and um, some of them were handled very well. Uh, but but the times where it wasn't was, uh, you know, victim blaming and confidentiality breaches. Um, I do know uh, when I was at University of Florida, they had a group called First Year Florida, um, which first year students, um, I believe it was the, the entire freshman class. It might have been a selected group. I'm not sure, but they did a good job. I went to speak to that group a couple times. I think actually one of the topics I talked to them about was followership, um, and I thought that was pretty cool to like you know get someone from the athletic side to come over and talk to you know the general student body. Like that was that was fun. Um, and, and it was fun being with the first years that just come all come in all bright eyed and bushy tailed and just think everything's great. Um, so I, that was like energy giving to me too, um, you know. But but out, be, outside of being friends with like student affairs professionals, I don't know if I have any really other examples of the relationships working well. Um, I do think that if some of my friends, the ones that are former athletes, that has helped. Um, you know, with how different things have been. My family's coming back in. I'm, I'm almost done. Is it okay to come in? Is it okay if they come in? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, we gotta move our lives, right? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, outside of that, I, I don't know if I have anything um, for that question, you know. I think that's, that's kind of like I told you, that's kind of why I've, I've reached out to Kim Carter and I'm trying to get involved just trying to you know pour into that part of myself so no i think it's really important that we identify areas where we can do better and opportunities and that sounds like exactly what you're doing so um 
Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask you or anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think, I think it was, you know, for me, for your interviewee, a pretty as robust as it's going to get <laughs> okay. based on what I've lived. So. All right. Well, I really do. I appreciate your, your time and your energy and your willingness and actually for our listeners persistence, because we had to reschedule this a number of times. Um, but as we wrap up one last question for you, what's something that's giving you hope right now? Um, my boys, you know, they give me hope. Um, they just really remind me and help me reframe myself when I need a good kick in the leg. Um, that, you know, they're truly my life's work, right? And so they're, they give me a lot of joy and, um, and, and kind of that is along the same line of just pursuing wholeness. Um, and they help with that. My family helps with that and just kind of been a theme of our conversation of like, you know, pouring into the whole person, not just the parts. Well, that is great. And I think it's kind of cool that we, they entered just as you're kind of acknowledging that. So that's we planned it. It's totally yeah. planned. Yeah. Brilliant. Just brilliant. So there's so much, there's so much planning, right? That goes exactly the right way with the that's right. everything always so. falls into place. So. Right. Well, I thank you very much. Um, I, I really enjoyed our conversation and just getting another perspective. And I think you've identified a number of opportunities that exist and hopefully that will encourage some people who are listening to reach out and start to build some of those bridges. So thank you very much for your time today. I, Thanks I for inviting it. me. And if, and if there's anything I can do further with you here on campus, please let me know. I will definitely do that. So today's SA Today broadcast is brought to you by SAXA, and we thank them for their support. Additionally, this show would not be possible without my producer, Jen Lowe, at the University of South Florida. So thank you always for your support and collaboration, Jen. And as we wrap up, I'd like to leave you with a quote today um, from Wilma Rudolph. No matter what accomplishments you make, somebody helps you. So thanks to each of you for listening. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Take care, everyone, and have a beautiful day.